Garfield Japan. What's up, faders? Welcome to yet another action-packed episode of Guy Fitted Japan. I am your host, Johnny. And I'm Tom Tom Tokyo. That's right. And as you fine folks know, Guy Fitted Japan is about two dudes, booze, Japan in the news. <laughs> Dude, you're breaking up a little bit. You sound like uh, one of those characters, uh, like a, a human character from an Atari video game. <laughs> okay, now you're coming out better. <laughs> no, we can understand right. you. Okay, Tommy, what episode is this? Right. Uh, it's 516. 516. That is right. What are you drinking? Uh, same as always, man. Fucking these blue boys. Blue boys, dude. I'm drinking a blue drink, too. I'm drinking Sky Vodka Water and Lime. So I got something very high class, and then I got two low classics. Whoa, drop the phone. Careful. Whoa, all right, cool. And faders, as you probably have guessed, yes, we're still doing Skype because we're in the middle of a pandemic. But don't worry, today is a very special show because Tom is going to tell us a story. I love Tom's stories. So what I want you to do, Tom, is to crack open that leather book and start off with chapter one. What is the story? Well, first, I'm going to crack open a beer, man. And remember, we drink responsibly because we are responsible drinkers. That's why we're doing it online. Yep, that's right. You're not driving anywhere. <laughs> exactly. Okay, right. yeah. I'm going to tell you the sad, sordid story of Sada Abe. Sada Abe. Does, does this name ring any bells, man? Have you, have you heard of this crazy lady? Um, You've mentioned Sada Abe a couple of times. And um, yeah, I, I know of it, but I don't really know much about it. Sadly enough. Okay. Okay. Uh, It's, well, it's... It's not an it, it's a person, but um, she's a very famous murderess, and she only killed one person. But the fucking, where it gets interesting is the fucking details of it. Hmm. So we'll, we'll get in, we'll get into that in a, in, in a bit, but like the, my main thing is here, like, okay, basically a little back, bit of background. I think about three years ago, I did a story about her for the Patreon-only contents, and it was just me just reading a story and talking about it, and then like, boom, done. Um, I managed to find the original article that I read and I still stand by it. I still think it's a good, well-written article and it does give you the facts and the details and, and it's interesting. But like, once I started researching her, I, I read her whole life story. And I was like, no, 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 we got to do the whole fucking thing. So like, how do you say it? Like that article is, would be only be like, what, you know, like seeing a 90 minute documentary of the Tiger King where this is like the full fucking eight episodes. Oh, dude, I'm getting goosebumps. All right, dude, read on. Let's begin. All right. <clears throat> okay. Sara Abe was a Japanese woman who is remembered for erotically asphyxiating her lover, 
Keichizo Ishida on May 18th, 1936, and then cutting off his penis and testicles and carrying them around with her in her handbag. The story became a national sensation in Japan, acquiring mythic overtones and has since been interpreted by artists, philosophers, novelists, and filmmakers. Whoa, dude. When did this happen? Uh, again, uh, 1936. 1936. People been getting freaky for a long time, man. I'm telling you, dude, the Japanese, like, they don't, they're not as fucking repressed sexually as, like, we are in the West, man. They've been fucking wide open with a lot of shit. Like, you know, fucking homosexuality gained it up, like, S&M bondage, the kinky stuff. It's, like, it's, it's all been, like, you know, part of their fucking culture. And, you know, they've been, for the most part with it, for the most part, cool with it. It's just, like, you know, you want to keep some of the kinky stuff on the DL. That's the only thing. Yeah, like cutting off your lovers like cock and balls. Yeah, sausage in the beans. Oh my god! And she kept it in her handbag. Yeah. Japanese yeah. handbags are small. I know, right? So she must have fucking maneuvered there. Or maybe the guy had a small wiener. Yeah. Well, actually, believe it or not, all those questions and more can be answered in this fantastic article that I got off uh, Murderpedia. Okay, that's the okay. thing, Murderpedia. Or, uh, murder needs. Oh God, <laughs> that's what oh, we sorry, all need. Uh, now it's, it's basically just profiles of like famous murderers and victims, and I think some of the police investigators that investigated them. All right, cool man. Yeah, Murderpedia. Murderpedia. All right. It's practically a car. Which is actually practically, to be honest, I read both articles. That this and the Wikipedia one. The Wikipedia one is they're basically carbon copies. I don't know which came first, but I like the Murderpedia setup better. It's easier to read. Okay. So we're going to go with that one. Go for it. All right. There we go. Family background. Sana Abe was the seventh of eight children in of uh, Shigeyoshi and Katsu Abe, an upper middle class family of tatami mat makers in Tokyo's Kanda neighborhood. Only four of the Abe children survived to adulthood. And of those, Sada was the youngest. Abe's father, Shigeyoshi Abe, was originally from Chiba Prefecture. He had been adopted into the Abe family to help with the business, which he eventually inherited. At age 52, at the time of Sada's birth, Shigeyoshi Abe was described by police as an honest and upright man who had no conspicuous vices, and although some acquaintances reported that he, he, had been, he was somewhat self-centered and had a taste for extravagance. Ooh. Sada's mother, Katsu Abe, yeah, ooh, Likewise, had no known legal or moral blemishes on her record. Okay, so right right now, like, you're going, like, what the fuck? You know, perfect, like, picturesque, idyllic family. Well, other than the fact that four of the kids fucking died before, like, half their kids died before adulthood. But other than that, mm, mm. Well, you never know what happens behind closed doors, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, that's I think that's a good point. <clears throat> so Sada's siblings and father did behave questionably, though. Her brother Shintaro was known as a womanizer, and after his marriage, ran away with uh, his parents' money. Sada's sister Taruko was also known to have had several lovers. Her father sent her to work at a, in a brothel. Then, back then, that was not uncommon way to punish a, a woman for sexual promiscuity in Japan. Although he soon bought her, bra- brought her, bought her back from the brothel. Taruko's past was not considered a hindrance to marriage for those of the Abe's class at the time, and she soon married. Wait, wait a second. Okay, so, so right now, if we're talking about... Wait. Oh, go for it. Yeah. No, what's your question? Go ahead. So, back in the day, if you had a daughter, and then you caught your daughter playing doctor with a neighborhood guy, you're like, 
bitch, you're in big ass trouble. And then you send her to the whorehouse for like what, the weekend or something. Um, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. For women who are punished by sexual promiscuity, it's like, oh, you like some cock? Here, go work at a brothel and see how much cock you like. And yeah, that's like, you know, the old school them. thing from like, yeah, like fucking right. Where like, isn't this some old school parenting from like the 50s where like, you know, dad qu- catches his kids smoking. So he sits him down, you know, fucking plunks down a cart and says, you're going to smoke every goddamn cig- cigarette in this fucking carton right now. That'll teach you not to smoke anymore. Exactly. And then you get hooked. And this, <laughs> yeah, the fucking same shit, right? So it's like, oh, she likes cock. You can go work in a brothel because fuck you. Although, like you said, like, uh, obviously, like, it wasn't considered a hindrance in the marriage. So I'm assuming this is fairly common. But, like, you had to be from, like, one of the upper class families as, like, you know, he sold her and then he bought her back. So I'm assuming he had to pay more more money to get her out of that life. Do you think he did that without telling his wife? And his wife's like, hey, uh, where's our daughter? And he's like, oh, yeah, she's being punished. Well, what'd you do? Well, you know, I took her to the local whore shack, and uh, yeah, she's been working there since Tuesday. And then all of a sudden, the wife freaks out, and the husband's like, oh, shit. Then he has to go there and, you know, with his tail between his legs, so to speak, buy his daughter back. I mean, that's just pretty twisted, dude. <laughs> okay, yeah, keep in mind, keep in mind, this is her older sister, not like, not Sada, but like, this is her older sister, Teruko. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it would be even funnier if you if you just like made up some bullshit. It was like, oh, what'd you do with her? I was like, oh, I caught her having sex, so I sent her to the nunnery. Right now, she's on her knees, totally praying to God and nothing else. Oh yeah, dude, that is pretty messed up, man. Could you imagine that first dinner back? You know, you're there, you got your miso soup, your rice, and your fish or whatnot, and then your daughter comes in, she sits in, you're like, so uh, you learned your lesson. <laughs> I mean, talk about awkward, dude. Or Christmas. Dude, think about, oh, my God. It's like the most awkward time ever. For <laughs> sure, right? Yeah, dude. That's pretty insane. Yep, they don't do that much anymore, do they? No, they do not. Like, oh, oh, oh or that. That or, like, think about her husband. So, because she said she got married off soon later after that. So her husband's like, so what 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 was life like before we got married? She's like, eh, interesting. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to find out how interesting it is the first time they uh, do the dirty deed and stuff. He's like, where did you learn all those tricks? <laughs> there you go, right? <laughs> Could be a blessing. Like, God damn, she can do the trick where she... Yeah, she can she can do the trick where she gives me a blowy and puts the condom on. Uh, or, or better yet, like you see the fucking you seen the fucking trick they do where they take the fucking uh, you know a cherry stem they put it in their mouth they tie it into a bow in, in their mouth. You know how they do that. You seen right? that one? Uh, actually, I do not practice. <laughs> <laughs> I assume so. Uh, yeah, I love vodka. All right, man. All right. So read on. Tell us more of this glorious story. Okay. Early life. Sada Abe was born in 1905. Her mother doted on her youngest child and let her do as she wished. She encouraged uh, Sada to take lessons in singing and playing the shamisen. For those of you who don't know, that's a Japanese style guitar. Uh, both of uh, both activities, which at the time were more closely associated with geisha and prostitutes than with classical artistic endeavors. Geishas were considered glamorous celebrities, and Sada herself followed the image by skipping school for the lesson, these lessons and wearing stylish makeup. 
as family problem uh, as family problems over a sister or siblings uh, sister Teruko and brother Shintaro became more pressing. Abe was sent out of the house alone more and more often, and she soon fell into in the group of similar independent te- uh, teenagers. At the age of 15, see, this is where it takes a dark turn. At the age of 15, in one of these outings, she was raped by one of her acquaintances, and even though her parents defended and supported her, she became a more, more and more difficult teenager. As she became more irresponsible and uncontrollable, her parents sold her to a geisha house in Yokohama in 1922 hoping to find her a place in society with some direction. Toku Abe, Sada's oldest sister, testified that Sada wished to become a geisha. Sada herself, however, claimed that her father made her a geisha as punishment for her promiscuity. Abe's encounter with geisha world proved frustrating and disappointing. To become a true star among geisha required apprenticeship from childhood with years of experience studying the uh, arts and music. Abe wound up a low-ranking geisha in which her main duties were to provide sex. She worked for five years in this capacity, and she eventually contracted syphilis. Since this meant she would, yep. Since this meant she would be required to undergo regular examinations, like uh, any legally licensed prostitute. Yes, prostitution was totally legal back then. Abe uh, Sada decided to enter a better-paying profession. What was that better-paying profession you asked? Illegal prostitution. <laughs> wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. I got to ask, is this a step up or a step down? Is she falling down the ladder? What's going on here? I, I guess it depends on your point of view, but, like, I don't know, like, I don't want to say, like, she was forced to do that. Maybe she had no better options, but, like, apparently it was better paying and she had more independence and freedom. Yeah, I guess you're right. And, like, she pretty much just cut out the pimp. Yeah, right. So, so she got treated like shit and said, like, she got treated like shit anyway. So it was like, well, at least, like, you know, she, if she did this under the table, you know, she had more respect. She got to do it on her terms. And she doesn't like, have to pay taxes. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. At this point in your life, it's not like she's got, like, the best, you know, life going for her. Hmm. This is okay. where it starts to get. It, gradually, this, gradually, this gets more and more interesting, though. Okay. No, was, I'm, dude, I'm already fucking, so, like, unglued. I'm just like, what? <laughs> So here we go. Uh, in the early 1930s, Abe, be- Abe began to work as a prostitute in Osaka's famous Tobita brothel district, but soon gained a reputation as a troublemaker. She often stole money from clients and attempted to leave the brothel several times, which is a no-no, but was tracked down by the well-organized legal prostitution system. After two years, after, after two years, she eventually succeeded in escaping the licensed prostitution system and began working as a waitress. Oh shit! So she left the life. However, not satisfied with the wages, she began working as a prostitute again, although now she was unlicensed. She began working in Osaka's unlicensed brothels in 1932. Abe's mother died in January in 1933, and Abe went to Tokyo to visit her father and her mother's grave. She entered into the prostitution market in Tokyo and became a mistress there for the first time. When her father became uh, seriously ill in January of 1934, uh, Abe nursed him for 10 days until his death. In October 1934, Abe was arrested in a police raid on an unlicensed brothel at which she was working. Kinosuke Kasahara, a well-connected friend of the brothel owner, arranged to have the women released. He was attracted to Abe and finding that she had no debts, and with Abe's agreement, made, he made her an official mistress. Kasahara set up a house for Abe on December 20th, 1934, and provided her with money. 
step at the police he, he, he remembered her by saying quote she was really strong a real powerful one even though i'm pretty jaded she was enough to astound me she wasn't satisfied unless we did it two three or four times a night to her it was an it was unacceptable unless I had my hand on her private parts all night long, baby. Whoa. At first, it was great. After a couple of weeks, I got a little exhausted, end quote. Yeah, so you can see where this is going. She's, she's a total fucking freak. Oh, man, what a nymph. Yeah, right? Total fucking nympho. She went like three, four times a night. God damn. Yeah, I got to admit, it sounds, when, when you're like a young 20-something dude, that sounds like, like the ideal girlfriend, but like, I don't know. Once you get older, man, that shit'll wear on you, man. Wait, how old is this guy? Uh, he was okay. Doesn't actually say. All right, I'm gonna say he's got to be at least in his thirties. So anyway, dude, this is way before Viagra. So this guy had no fucking crutch. This guy was probably eating like shark fin or fucking some kind of weird kind of like, uh, I don't know, some herbal medicine or something like that. But before Viagra, dude, four times a night, dude, that was really tough, dude. That's pretty hardcore. Yeah. Um. What What is it like? Yeah, I, I think that, I think they have a, according to the Japanese, I think eel is supposed to give you a raging hard on. But I don't know, man. I've had eel before and it didn't give me no hard on. Yeah. You weren't doing it right, Tom. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I wasn't. I, I wasn't eating enough of it. You're putting it in the wrong okay. end. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. So when Abe suggested that Kasahara leave his leave his wife to marry her, he refused. She then asked uh, Kasahara to let her take a lover, which he also refused to do. After that, the relationship ended, and to escape him, Abe left for Nagoya. Kasahara ended his testimony with an angry remark about Abe. Quote, she's a slut and a whore. And oh. as, as what she has done makes it clear, she is a woman whom men should fear. All men should fear her. Likewise, Abe remembered Kasahara in less than flattering terms, saying, quote, he didn't love me and treated me like an animal. He was the kind of scum who would then plead with me when I said that we should break up, end quote. Damn, dude, Fucking. that's dirty. Nasty breakup, man. We've all been there. We've all been there. Jesus, I've been there several oh. times. So, Tom, uh, let me we, ask we you. We all have. Yeah. yeah, what's up? What is your worst breakup? Did you have anything? Oh, I mean, this. to be honest, this wasn't that bad. I mean, they're just like talking shit about each other. But, I mean, what is your worst breakup? Uh, I, I think I've talked at length about the crazy belly dancer. And I think you talked about the fucking crazy chick that puts cigarettes out on your back. So I think, yeah. Yeah, that sucked. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right, faders, you got to go back for those episodes. I'm not going to talk about that one. Oh, fuck, just even thinking about that. I got to drink more vodka just thinking about that, man. Fucking. I'll fucking drink to that. Oh, God, that was a bad night. Ugh. Have you ever had a cigarette put on in your back while you're sleeping? <laughs> nope. Can't say that I have, Johnny. Uh I don't recommend it. Oh, it leaves a nasty scar. All right, man. Read on, dude. I'm intrigued what's going to happen next. So wait, wait. She started off in Tokyo. Then she moved to Osaka. Then back to Tokyo. And now she's in Nagoya. So she's jet setting all over this country. She's spreading those legs all over the place. <laughs> These boots are made for walking. Pretty much. One of these days, they're going to be walking all over you, which is what we're getting to. Ooh, let's get down and dirty. Okay. 
In Nagoya in 1935, again intending to leave the sex industry, Abe began working as a maid at a restaurant. She soon became romantically involved with a customer at the restaurant, Goro Omiya, a professor and banker who aspired to become a member of the Diet of Japan. The uh, Diet's the fucking Congress or whatever. Uh, knowing that the restaurant would not tolerate a maid having sexual relations with clients and bored with Nagoya, she returned to Tokyo in June. Omiya met Abe in Tokyo, and finding that she had uh, contracted syphilis, paid for her stay at a hot spring resort in uh, Kusatsa from November until January in 1936. In January, Omiya suggested that Abe could become financially independent by opening a small restaurant and rec- recommended that she work a- in an apprentice position in such a business. Well, that's a step up. Yeah, okay, so... So this seems like maybe she's had a pretty rough life. So maybe her she's going to get her life back on track. Okay. Acquaintance with uh, Kichizo Ishida. Back in Tokyo, Abe began to work as an apprentice at the Yoshidaya on February 1st, 1936. The owner of the establishment, Kichizo Ishida, 42 at the time, had worked his way up in the business, starting as an apprentice at an eel restaurant. He opened the Yoshidaya in Tokyo's Nakano neighborhood in 1920. When Abe joined his restaurant, Ishida was known as a womanizer who did little in the way of running the restaurant, which was mostly managed by his wife. Oh, shit. (laughs) A recipe for destruction. I know, right? So this this guy's obviously a pretty stand-up dude, so he's a fucking restaurateur who doesn't do shit. He's just, like, you know, chasing skirts and letting his fucking wife take care of everything while he's out out banging all the waitresses, right? Oh, dude, typical. Typical! (laughs) Man, nobody's faithful at all in this story. Yeah. I know, right? So this is is just, like, what did you think was going to happen to the title? There's just going to be a lot of fucking in this story. Yeah, it's basically the story of slut so far. Yeah, pretty much. It's yeah, it's it's freaks and geeks and weirdos and kinks and yeah, all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah, uh, so, trust me. This, this, yeah, dude, it gets it gets a lot better or worse depending on your fucking point of view. Okay, read uh, on. Okay. Yeah, not long after she began working at Yoshidaya, Ishida began making advances towards Abe. Mia had never sexually satisfied Abe, and she gave in to Ishida. In May to April, Ishida and Abe initiated their sexual relationship in the restaurants. Whoa. The accompaniment of yeah, I'm, I'm not done. I'm not done. Wait for it. Wait for it. To the accompaniment, uh, the accompaniment of a romantic ballad sung by one of the restaurant's geishas. Oh, dude! So no not only, way. so not so not only was she fucking her boss in his restaurant, probably on one of the tables or something. They had fucking audience. They were just like, "Yo, bitch." Sing us a romantic song and put us in the mood. Man, dude, they don't do that. Well, they kind of do do that still. I mean, people eat sushi off of, like, uh, naked girls, and then they bang them. So maybe this is kind of like the, I don't know, precursor? <laughs> sure, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, this is like, yeah, it's like, again, like all the Gs, I love this story. All the Gs is just fucking wild. Oh, dude, yeah. All okay, uh, are yeah. Um, on April 23rd, 1936, Abe and Ishida met for a prearranged sexual encounter at a tea house, or Machiai, the contemporary equivalent of a love hotel in the Shibuya neighborhood. Of course, it's always Shibuya. They used to call them tea houses. Like, I'm going yeah. to have tea at noon. 
it is going to be an afternoon yeah. delight with tea. But that basically meant going to a yeah, love hotel. Just- that was the code. Yeah, no wonder everybody lo- drinks tea now. I mean, everywhere you go, people are sipping tea. Maybe it's something kind of like uh, from their heritage or something. You know, like they're like, oh, tea. I remember somehow tea making me happy. Huh. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Fucking. Yeah. Tea. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go get tea together. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Tom, I will never have tea with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to worry about it. Feelings <laughs> I'll still, I'll still have a beer with you, dude. Yeah, or thanks. a vodka or whiskey or whatever. Fuck. Uh... Okay. Okay. The the couple were planning only a short fling. Sorry. So initially, the couple only planned a short fling, but remained there. They're in bed for four days. Four days. Holy smokes. What were they doing? You know what? Bondage. Fucking bondage, dude. Now I want to be your dog, dude. Just fucking, dude, they're all like chained up and shit. Maybe they're chained up and like fucking like the guy was like the gimp or she was the gimp or something. And then they lost the key to like one of the locks or whatever. And it took them four days to pick the lock to get him out of the, the gimp suit or something. Maybe that's what happened. The guy's all freaking out. He can't eat and shit. <laughs> so as far as I'm concerned, what were they doing over the course of four days of just nothing in bed, man? I think I think they're just they were doing the entire Karma Sutra, man, and then some. Probably, yeah. Holy smokes, man! This girl was a freak, dude. What does she look like? Uh, actually, do do a quick Google search. Or she's she's not bad looking. Okay, hold on. What's her name? Abe, right? Shinzo Abe. Yeah, Sada S A D. No, not Shinzo Abe. Not the fucking prime minister. No relationship. <laughs> man, she looks terrible. <laughs> was it Sada Abe A B E? Is that one word? Oh, hey. uh, no, it's two. So yeah, this not bad, right? is the girl that was causing all this sexual havoc. Holy smokes! She kind of looks like my wife's mom. She's not bad. She's she's not bad looking. I wouldn't say I wouldn't like say she's super hot, but she's definitely not bad looking, right? Holy shit! She's got all her teeth too. Way back in the day. Wow. Oh, no. They're a little gnarly. Okay. All right. Wow. Dude, insane. Wow. They got a lot of photos of her. Holy shit. She was really famous. Sada Abe. Holy shit. Sada Abe pornos? Whoa, dude. All right, faders. Google Sada Abe and let us know what you think. Huh? Yeah. No, no, actually, no. There there are... They're, they're, no, I'll, I'll get to that later. But like, yeah, they did make a couple movies based off her, which of course, which are of course pornos or erotic thrillers or whatever you want to fucking call them. Yeah, I'm watching one right now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, so you got the mouse in one hand and something else in the other. Oh shit! You know what's um, really weird? All these cops and these pictures. Like, all right, she's like, I got a picture of her surrounded by cops, and all the cops have John Lennon sunglasses, like the circle glasses. That must have been really popular back in the day. Like all these cops are the same. Holy shit, so weird. Okay, okay, read out, read out, read. This is great Uh, audio. Sorry, faders. I'm not sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not sorry. On the night, okay, on the night of April twenty seventh, nineteen thirty six, they moved to another tea house in 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 the distant neighborhood of Tago Tamagawa. 
Here they continue to drink sake and have sex. Sometimes the the accompaniment of geisha singing, apparently that was like the thing to do back in the day. And they would continue having sex even as the maids entered the room to serve them sake and tea. So basically like knock room service and they just like kept going at it. Damn, dude. Fucking, they were freaky. Yeah, so let's get this straight. Let's get this with the fucking timing. So they went, they, 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 they originally on April 23rd, 1936, they arranged to have a hookup in fucking, in Shibuya, just like it was supposed to be like a brief thing, you know, fling or whatever. They went out for four days straight and then they're just like, fuck it. So four days later, later, April 27th, they're like, hey, let's take this show on the road. So they went to a different area and continued fucking. This is like a marathon. (laughs) Oh God, I love it. Dude, fucking, dude, you should fucking put a marathon number on this guy's back and fucking call him the champion. You should, this guy should get a trophy, man. 42 years old, he's just bang, bang, bang. God Holy damn. Shit. Yeah, dude, pretty insane, dude. Pretty fucking insane. Okay. They they next moved their marathon lovemaking bout to uh, the Oga na- uh, sorry Ogu neighborhood. Ishida did not return to the restaurant until the morning of May 8th, 1936. Of <laughs> so basically, they like fucked in like three different locations, and like this guy didn't go back to work for a, like two weeks. Oh so from from April third, literally from April 23rd to May 8th. That's insane. That's insane. I, I wouldn't last a day. Maybe maybe a half a day. Yeah, I, I think I think I think even if you're a young horny dude, like one or two days, and it's like you know what, I'm good, man. I need I need a break. This bitch is crazy, right? Oh yeah, obviously. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe she just wouldn't let this guy go. Yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, we're we're gonna get into that later too. This guy, this dude, uh, must must have had either, either the most naive wife ever or the most understanding wife ever. She's just like whatever. Like, I know my husband's off, you know, getting a booty call, but she's just like, you know, she's doing all the work around the restaurant. Like, Jesus, man, what kind of fucked up world is this? Pretty fucked up. You know what this fucking, you know what? All right. This story kind of reminds me of that Rick James song, Super Freak. Yeah. All right. That's what I was thinking. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Me, me too. This is exactly the same thing, song that's going through my head. She's a super freak, super freak. Oh, kind she's of girl you don't think about her. Uh, um okay uh blah, 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 blah. okay okay of ishida abe later said quote it is hard to say exactly what was good so good about ishida but it was impossible to say anything was bad about his looks his attitude his skill as a lover and the way he expressed his feelings i'd never met such a sexy man in my entire life end quote damn so that, that's kind of a weird that's kind of a weird thing to say. She's like, she got freaky with this guy. And she's like, I mean, I guess he wasn't bad in bed. And I guess he was okay looking. And he was, you know, he was cool when he expressed his feelings. But like, he's the sexiest man I ever saw. It's like, what? <laughs> this is starting to hint. This does kind of hint. Maybe there's a couple of fucking screws loose in her head, right? Dude, no. Yeah, obviously something's going on with this chick, dude. Okay. Well, here's where this gets progressively darker, so let's read on. Uh, after they separated, Abe became agitated and began drinking excessively. She claimed that with Ishida, she knew love for the first time in her life, and the thought that Ishida was back with his wife made her jealous. 
Over a week before the murder, Abe began, began considering the act. On May 9th, 1936, she attended a play in which a geisha, geisha attacks her lover with a large knife. After seeing this, Abe decided to threaten Ishida with a knife at their next meeting. On May 11th, so, again, the dates, like, they've only been apart for, like, a couple days. And they've been fucking for, like, weeks. Dude, this guy must have been slinging the monster cock, dude. Seriously, this guy's cock yeah. must have been fucking... So, so, maybe he had, like, two heads on her or something. I have no idea. But what was happening? I mean, this girl was already borderline crazy, but for this guy to, like, push her over the edge, dude, he must have had some magic between his legs. <laughs> I, I I like that. I like that image he's put in my head. This guy's got the double-barrel cock where he's just, like, you know, fucking satisfying, you know. Well, that dude, fucking three <laughs> I like weeks. That. Three weeks, dude. That's fucking hardcore, man. Holy shit. I go fucking three hours, dude, and I need a what? fucking week break or something, man. I got, I got to go to the onsen, relax, drink some fucking green tea or some shit. Not that green tea you're thinking of, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I agree, I agree. Yeah, there better be a, be a big old bag of Viagra next to that fucking uh, bed. Uh, I just say on the nightstand there. But, dude, um, this is before Viagra. Yeah, no, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. Maybe again, maybe it was the eel. I don't fucking know what they ate back in the day. Um, what was it? Was I just want to go over the timetable again? So they basically fucked for two weeks straight at three different locations, and then like, yeah, May 9th was when when they stopped and they went there. No, sorry, May 8th. So it's May 8th. May 9th, she got she's getting wasted all the time and saw a play where she sees the uh, fucking geisha attack her lover and blah, blah, blah. And then and then we go to May 11th. So they, they've hardly had a fucking break here. So on May 11th, uh, 1936, she she uh, pawned some of her clothing, used the money to buy some sushi and, and a kitchen knife. Abe later described meeting Ishida that night. By saying, "quote I pulled the kitchen knife out of my bag and threatened him, uh, and threatened him as had been done the play I had seen, saying, Kichi, you wore that kimono just to please one of my favorite customers. You bastard! I'll kill you for that." Ishida was startled and, and drew away a little, but he also seemed to be delighted with it. Oh yeah, dude, knives are a turn on for some people. Have you ever heard of knife play, where they fucking yeah, cut so off their so nipples and shit? Yeah, yeah, well, like, yeah. I've heard of like cutting and shit like that, but like, yeah, this is like fucking weird. So the guy's like, kind of like taken aback, but he's also kind of turned on at the same in the same way. So yeah. So here we go. Here we go. Here we go with the Sade, Sada Abe incident. Uh, Ishida and Abe returned to Ogu, where they remain where they remained until his death. During their lovemaking this time, Abe pulled the knife. Uh, sorry, put the knife to the base of Ishida, Ishida's penis and said she would make sure he would never play around with another woman again. She'd have laughed at this. Two nights into this bout of sex, again, they're going to freaking marathon sex, so two fucking straight nights, they're going at it. Abe began choking Ishida, and he told her to continue, saying it, that it was increasing his pleasure. She had him do it to her as well. So, yeah, so you're right. You are right. They're into the fucking bondage shit, for sure. Hell yeah. On the on the evening of May 16th, 1936, uh, Abe used her OB sash. Uh, OB is like, a, how do you say, the sash that the, puts the, the cinches around the kimonos. It's like a belt. To yeah. cut off uh, yeah, yeah, the belt. Like, uh, to cut off Ishida's breathing during orgasm, and they both enjoyed it. They repeated this for two more hours. 
Once Abe stopped the strangulation, uh, Ishida's face became distorted and would not return to its normal appearance. Ishida took 30 tablets of sedative called Kalmotin to try to soothe his pain. According to Abe, as Ishida started to doze, he told her, you'll put the cord around my neck and squeeze it again while I'm sleeping, won't you? If you start to strangle me, don't stop, because it is so painful afterward, end quote. Abe commented that she wondered if if he had wanted him to kill her, or sorry, her to kill him, but on reflection decided he must have been joking. Okay, so right, right away, I want to point out that this this is, again, that they were the only two people in the room. This is her fucking testimony, so it's a bit suspect. But oh, this sure. is according to her. Yeah, dude, I right. don't know. But these guys are both fucking freaks, dude. And the thing is, all right, oh, before I fucking add this comment, I'm going re- to hear what happens in the outcome. The after. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so here, here we get to the actual murder. And you're right, they're freaks. They're not just freaks, they're super freaks. Super freak. At about 2 a.m. in the morning on May 18th, 1936, as Ashita was asleep, Abe wrapped her sash twice around his neck and strangled him to death. She later told police, quote, after I had killed Ashita, I felt totally at ease, as though a heavy burden had been lifted off my shoulders, and I felt a sense of clarity, in quotes. Super freak. After lying. Super freak, right? She's like, oh, yeah, I strangled him. Yeah, it was totally cool. It felt a lot better. Then I went for a massage and, you know, smoked a doobie or whatever. Super freak. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after lying with Ashita's body for, for a few hours, <laughs> fucking, again, these, these details just get me every time, even though I've read this article several times. So she's just like, she strangled him to death and she's like, I feel better now. And then just dozed off. After lying with Ashita's body for a few hours, she next uh, severed his genitalia with her kitchen knife wrapped them in a magazine cover, and kept them uh, until her arrest three days later. With the blood, she wrote Saba, uh, Sada Kichi uh, Futarikiri, Sada Kichi together, on Ashita's left time, thigh. Time. And on, can, can you repeat, repeat uh, that? You with the blood, she, okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, with the blood, she wrote Sada Kichi Futarikiri, Sada Kichi together, forever. On Ishida's left thigh and on a bed sheet. She then carved Sada, uh, the character for her name, into his upper left arm. After putting on Ishida's underwear, she left the... She put his underwear on. Why? why? Just why? So many questions about everything in this article. She left the inn at about 8 a.m., telling the staff not to disturb Ishida. When asked why she severed Ishida's genitalia, Abi replied simply... Because I couldn't take his head with the head and body or body with me, I wanted to take the part of him that brought me back to the most vivid memories. <laughs> oh, dude, dude! I told you this guy had a magic cock, dude. Oh man, dude! All right, I I think maybe she killed him. All right. Oh, it gets better. Okay, go for it. No, 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 no. I, I'm just going to say, like, foreshadowing, like, it gets to his cock later. His cock's like, his cock will come up later, and it's interesting, but, yeah, he, he must have a magic cock, right? <laughs> magic cock. Super freak! Yeah. Actually, as you pointed out, man, like, um, yeah, he must have a fucking magic cock. I mean, how many cocks are that well-known in Japan? Are you in Harajuku with some out-of-town friends or your family or significant others? Yeah! yeah! Do you want to chill and drink beer and eat sandwiches while your friends overpay for glitter unicorn socks? Yeah! 
And the flavor's gonna make you complete at Harry's Sandwich Company. So come on down to Harry's Sandwich Company in the heart of Harajuku, right off Takeshita Street. See you there! If you're gonna get your fit on, you gotta get your fit on in style. And that's why I use Ghost Town Palmade. Ghost Town Palmade is the number one badass palmade, and I practice what I preach. When I leave this house, if I'm not wearing a hat, if I'm not wearing a lid, I'm wearing Ghost Town Palmade in my hair. This stuff is amazing. It smells good, it looks good, and it feels good. Ghost Town Palmade, badass palmade. And let me tell you one thing, it comes in a lid. That's pretty badass. This whole world is so nerfed up these days. Everything is plastic and pink, but not Ghost Town Palmade. This stuff is a man's palmade, and it is hardcore. It's so hardcore, it's from Oakland, California. Oakland, California. That's right. Ghost Town Palmade. Get your fit on in style. Proper. Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, faders? If you're in Asia, if you're in Japan, if you're in Tokyo, if you're in Asagaya, you better get down to Mitsuya Liquors. That's right. For the most affordable prices in Japan, you can get over 300 different kinds of beer. That's right, over 300 different kinds of beer. And of course, they got all the shochu you need, all the sake you need, and of course, they got wine from California to Italy to France to New Zealand. They got it all. When I say they got it all, they really, seriously, got it all. There's no joke about that. So get down to Mitsuya Liquors. And if you go in there and you say, got fit of Japan, you will be more than welcome to go into their back room and drink those beers that you just purchased. That's right, got fit of Japan at Mitsuya Liquors. And three times a week, they have a sushi chef there. So get your sushi on, get your drink on, get your fade on, and come on down to Mitsuya Liquors, located comfortably in Asagaya, about five minute walk from the station. Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, Faders? Got Faded Japan has got a new sponsor. Our new sponsor is Gamuso Bar, located in Asagaya, Tokyo. If you're kicking it in Tokyo and you want to get your groove on, get your fade on, you better get your ass down to Gamuso. Gamuso is located in Asagaya. It's about 11 minutes from Shinjuku Station on the Chuo Line. Gamuso has weekly bands, weekly performances. And hell, if you got your own event and you want to hold it at Gamuso, we'd love to host you. So contact Gamuso at www.gamuso.com. That's www.gamuso.com. That's right. Gamuso has not only beers in the bottle, but beers on tap. We've got every drink you want, so come on down to Gamuso. Gamuso, and if I'm working, tip me. Hey, yo, what's up, baiters? Johnny here. You know I love booze and news, but I also love art. So come on down to thespiltink.com and check my art out. I've got tons of stuff there for you to check out. And I've got paintings, I've got prints, I've got videos. And I tell you what, if you like a painting, I could probably sell it to you. And I tell you what, if I can't sell you that painting, I will definitely sell you a print. I've got prints of all my work. Prints are about 2,000 N each, about 20 bucks. But if you buy two, you get the third one for free. So come on down to thespiltink.com. Yo, and on top of that, I'm looking for commissioned work. So if there's something that you want me to do, I can make it for you. Just check out my stuff and see if you like my style. And if you like my style, I can definitely paint you anything on canvas, paper, whatever. I've done it all. So come on down to thespiltink.com. That is 
T H E S P I L T I N K dot com. The Spill Dink dot com. Proper. I don't know. Mm, pop, pop. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm going to read that quote again because it's fucking bonkers. Because I couldn't take his head or body with me, I wanted to take the part of him that brought back the, to me the most vivid of memories. <laughs> After leaving the inn, she met Goro Omiya. She repeated apologized to him, but Omiya, unaware of the murder, assumed she was apologizing for having taken another lover. Abe's apologies were for the damage to his political career that she knew his association with, uh, association with her was bound to cause. On May 19th, 1936, the newspapers picked up the story. Omiya's career was ruined, and Abe's life was under intense public scrutiny from that point onwards. Okay, so the murder's done. Now, now we're getting into the... This is like where it gets, gets like... Where it just fucking blows up and goes whatever the equivalent of... Uh, 1936 viral was. Wait, wait, wait. So, so here we get into the. Okay, go for it. Just go on. Read on, super freak. Yeah, yeah. It's called the Sada Abe Panic. The story immediately became a national sensation, and the ensuing ensuing frenzy over her search was called the Sada. Uh, sorry, the Sada Abe Panic. Police received reports of sightings from Abe from various cities. And one false sighting nearly caused a stampede in Ginza, resulting in a large traffic jam. In a reference to the recently recent failed coup uh, in Tokyo, the Ni Ni Roku incident, or 226 on February 26th, the crime was uh, satirically dubbed the Go Ichihachi incident, or the 518, or May 18th. On May, on May 19th, 1936, Abe went shopping and saw a movie, as one does. She stayed in an inn in Shinagawa on May 20th, where she had a massage and drank three bottles of beer. She spent the day writing farewell letters to Omiya, a friend, and Ishida. She planned to commit suicide one week after the murder and practiced necrophilia. Quote, I felt attached to Ishida's penis and thought that only after taking, uh, after taking leave from it quietly could I then die. I unwrapped the paper, holding them, and gazed at his penis and scrotum. I put his penis in my mouth and even tried to insert it inside me. It didn't work, however. That's what happens when it doesn't get blood full, honey. Oh my god, it's like it's basically it, it like a used condom. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, yeah, it ain't going up there. Okay, it didn't work, however. Though I kept trying and trying and trying. Then I decided that I would flee to Osaka, staying with Ishida's penis all the while. In the end, I would jump off a cliff on Mount uh, Ikomi, Ikoma while holding onto his penis. Maybe she could use that as a parachute. fucking bonkers. No, she's literally insane, dude. <laughs> fucking probably borderline bi- yeah, no, bipolar. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. I, I got it better. No, no, she could, like, whip it around and, like, use it as a helicopter or something. Well, it was big enough, Mary obviously. Mary Poppins are down I mean, if he had a yeah, double cock, exactly. I mean, that could be like a helicopter. Yeah, so this is like already this is a dark parody of Mary Poppins. He just fucking jumps off the mountains and whips that cock around in the air and just fucking rat, acts as a helicopter and away she goes. Yeah, that or like Harold <laughs> or Mauled. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, at uh, four in the afternoon, detective, suspicious of the alias under which Abe had registered, came to her hotel room. She was quoted in saying, don't be so formal, she told them. You're looking for Sada Abe. 
right? Well, that's me. I am Sarabe. And the police were not convinced. So she just like straight up admitted. She's like, yeah, I'm the, totally the person you're looking for. Dude, that's awesome. Up to now, this is almost like an Alice Cooper song, dude. The Black Widow. Yeah, right? There you go. Uh, when the police were not convinced, she then displayed it. She just generally is this proof. Okay, so police, like, you know, they think she's just, her alias is suspicious. They go and check her out. She's like, yeah, I'm totally the fucking murderer. And they're like, yeah, whatever, honey. We don't believe you. And she's like, oh, wanna see? And she just fucking really, literally whips out the dude's cock. Oh, my God. She's like, oh, really? So the cop's like, yeah, here's my badge. I'm a cop. She pulls on her badge, and she's like, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> Different kind of badge. Yeah. She's like, well, here's my cock, and I'm the murderess. Oh, man, dude. Okay. okay, so now she's in custody. Yep. Okay, so Abe was arrested and interrogated over eight sessions. Uh, the interrogating officer was struck by Abe's demeanor when, asked, uh, when he asked her why she had killed Ishida. Quote, immediately she became excited and her eyes sparkled in a strange way. Her answer was, I love loved him so much i wanted him all to myself but since we were not husband and wife as long as he lived he could not be embraced by another woman i knew that if i killed him no other woman could ever touch him again so i killed him oh god in attempting to explain right in attempting to explain what uh, distinguished abe's case from over a dozen similar cases in japan William Johnston suggests uh, suggests that it is this answer that which captured the imagination of the nation she killed. A, she had killed not out of jealousy, but out of love. Mark Schubert notes that the incident occurred at a time when Japanese media were preoccupied with extremely political and military troubles, including the Nini Roku incident and a looming full-scale war in China. He suggests that the sens- uh, sensationalistic uh, sex scandal such as this served as a welcome national release. Oh, this is sex scandal service release from distributing, uh, sorry, disturbing events at the time. The incident also struck a chord with the uh, Ero Guru Nonsensu, erotic, grotesque no- uh, nonsense style popular at the time. Nice. See, this is a style. So, she's, so, yeah, she's so she wasn't cross- just crazy. All Japanese people were into this shit. Oh, <laughs> right? my God. It was, a, it was a thing. I, I would love to have a time machine and go back and talk to this girl, dude. Because I want to know what's going on in her in her brain, dude. Other than fucking like like cock fever. All right. Yeah, she had cock in the brain. Well, she oh, only uh, one cock. Only okay. one cock. Yeah, she she was she, she was a one woman cock owner. Well, I mean, before she was getting cocked left, right, and center, right? She's been a prostitute for years and years and years and stuff, and apparently it ran through her family. But now, I mean, she found, like, the golden cock, and she just couldn't let go of it, you know? I guess that's what happens. You you get the golden yeah. cock, and you just don't let go. <laughs> it's a blessing and yeah. a curse to have the golden cock. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Like, totally, dude. Like, I mean, like, she's this, this bitch has had a ton of cock, so she must, this must, this dude must have truly had, like, a magical cock. The magic cock. Yeah. Okay. When the details of the crime were made public, rumors began to circulate that Ashita's penis was of extraordinary size. Ah, there you go. The magic However, cock. Yeah. However, the uh, the arresting officer who interrogated Abe after her arrest denied this, saying Ishida's penis was just average. 
Yeah, Abe told me. He so, says, he's like, no, yo, I, I looked at the cock and then I looked at mine and I was like, eh, this one here is just average. Making him look like he's got like the big yeah. cock. He's like, oh, you think that's the magic cock? Bitch, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing. Exactly. Uh, okay. Abe told me size doesn't make a man in bed. Tanique and his desire to please me were what I liked about a shield. Oh, okay. Okay, so I don't know. So. Well, this story just gets better and better. So he not only had the golden cock, but he also had a black belt in fucking using it, I guess. Because a lot of people can own a 357 Magnum. I mean, if you got the money, you can buy a 357 Magnum, but only a very few people can hit a fucking bullseye. That's true. That's true. So, like, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not the tools, it's the skill with which you use them, right? Exactly. Precisely, Tom. All right. All right uh, here we go. Well, here's it's really interesting. Like, uh, you were asking about his cock earlier, so that this is a little bit of information. Here's some more. After her arrest, Ishida's penis and testicles were then moved to Tokyo University Medical School's Pathology Museum. They were put on public display soon after the end of World War II, but have since disappeared. Oh, dude, somebody fucking stole the magic. They're like, dude, that's the golden cock. We need to get the golden cock. Fucking somebody call the Pink Panther. Call fucking somebody. We got to get that golden cock. Somewhere in this country, that cock is on a display. Nah, I bet, I, I bet like, that's, what, that's probably what they did. Somebody stole it. They probably dried it out and grind, ground it up into, like, Viagra or something and then, like, you know, snorted it or drank his tea or I don't fucking know because, like, they didn't have Viagra back then. Because they were like, the magic cock. How can, I, how can I imbibe its fucking super awesomeness? Well, who's got that cock now, dude? Maybe it's Mr. Y. <laughs> He's got a lot of girls. Huh? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There, there you go. He gives like free samples to all his good customers. That's what the platinum membership is for is his place, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you would know. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. Uh, conviction and sentencing, but yeah, but seriously, this dude's cock was displayed in a museum. So, like, if you're gonna be known for something, make it make it be something awesome, dude. Fucking all right, Tom. Out of all the ways to die. This is actually a pretty good one, okay? Because A, all right, you die in your sleep, so you don't really know what's going on. It's basically your dream fades to black, and then you sink into the abyss, right? But then your fucking cock gets cut off and put into a museum after a prostitute was going to use it as a fucking parachute and jump off of a fucking mountain and shit, right? This is fucking insane. So out of all the ways to die, this is the best way to do it, because then you go down in history for A, having a golden cock, and... Yeah, that's it. You're having a golden cock, dude. And that's a really good way to be remembered, dude. Because what else? I mean, this guy, he had a fucking shitty restaurant in a fucking shitty neighborhood. He had some fucking wife that didn't give a fuck what he did and shit. He's running around with prostitutes. That's pretty much like a lot of fucking people we know, right? But the thing is, dude, this guy is going to go down in history. Not just his generation, generations to come. Where people in the future are going to talk about his golden cock on fucking magic machines and spread it all over the world, which we're doing now. Properly. No, no, I agree. I agree with you. So yes, this this dot this guy died after having a marathon, like you know, fucking just marathon 
drinking and then like with you know after Anne had a couple drinks so like Anne died in his sleep so he went out like the best way possible and what does he remember for almost 90 years later we're fucking sitting here talking about his magical cock it was so fucking magical it was fucking displayed in a fucking museum that's the best way to go that's I I, I gotta admit man that is not a bad what Orby remembered oh shit we could only be so lucky but uh uh, all right, well, let's let's get into, like, the sentencing, what happens after this. Okay, conviction and sentencing. This is, this is also fucking bonkers, too. The first day of Abe's trial was November 25th, 1936, and by 5 a.m., crowds had already gathered to uh, attend. The judge presiding over the trial admitted to being sexually aroused by some of the details involved in the case. <laughs> Dude, everybody in the story is a fucking freak. Dude, you think they're fucking listening Even- to it jerking off? <laughs> Right, right. You know, because like you know, he's got like un- un- underneath his robe, you can hear the fat, 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 fat. Oh, probably, dude. It's like, um, give us more details about that two weeks at the tea shop. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I was fucking the cop that was interrogating. You probably had to fucking like you know, you know, use this big notebook to fucking cover the you know the stain on his pants that was rapidly spreading. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Okay, yeah. The judge was admitted to be sexually aroused by involved in the case, yet made sure that the trial was held with the utmost serious. Okay, I'm going to read that again. Okay, the judge presiding over over the trial admitted to be sexually aroused by some of the details involved in the case, yet made sure that the trial was held with the utmost of seriousness, with right. a raging heart, with a raging heart on. Oh right, yeah, dude. <laughs> we want to hear all the details. All the huh. details. It's very important. And speak slowly. Yeah. No, no no detail is too minor for this story. Okay. Uh, Abe's statement before receiving sentencing began. The thing I regret most about this incident is that I have come to be mis- misunderstood as some kind of sexual pervert, you think? <laughs> and necrophiliac. Keep that in mind. Because, yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's totally common to cut off your, you know, boyfriend's, like, fucking dick and try to eat it. Well, she didn't try to eat it. She tried to suck it off. Uh, yeah. Um, that, that's, an, that's another thing. And, and actually, I should probably should have mentioned this earlier. In another take I read on this, like, that, that she actually tried to swallow it whole so it could, you know, be a part of her. Well, temporarily, but yeah. <laughs> you think she kept her yeah, shit sure. afterwards? She's like, this shit there, was there my go. husband's cock or my boyfriend's cock. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, sexual pervert. There had been a man in my life, like uh, so. There had never been a man in my life like Ishida. There were men I liked and with whom I slept with without accepting any money, but none made me feel the way I did towards him. On December twenty first, nineteen thirty six, Abe was convicted of murder in the second degree and mutilation of a corpse. Though the prosecution demanded ten years, Abe claimed that she desired the death penalty. She was in fact sentenced to just six years in prison. Wow, she got Every fucking, I know, right? Every fucking detail, like the prosecution was asking for ten years, she got six. Like every detail, I like, say this is one of those stories that it's it's Christmas has come early. It's the gift that keeps on giving because every fucking detail, detail after detail, gets more and more bonkers. Yeah, dude, this is more fucked up than the fucking Tiger King, dude. Yeah, uh, she was confined in Toshigi Women's Penitentiary. Where she was prison number eleven. Okay, I, I, sh- I should point this out. They kind of didn't. 
kill women back in this day so she was never going to get the death penalty and women actually kind of got like light sentencing because like typically a lot of times they just got sold off to the brothel and said you can you know work it off on on your back with your legs spread open or whatever and she's like been there done that i'm a pro yeah she's like yeah i'm a pro she's like oh sally i haven't seen you in ages oh how are those genital warts oh still there (laughs) i knew it uh okay Abe's sentence was commuted. Here, she, again, even more bonkers. Abe's sentence was commuted on November 10th, 1940, on the occasion that the 2600-year anniversary celebrations of the mythical founding of Japan, when Emperor Jimu came to the throne. She was released exactly five years after the murder on May 17th, 1941. Whoa, dude. She got off light. I know that's that's pretty much considering how fucking nuts this is. She got a slap on the wrist, and like again, like this is this is the thing. Like the story I read earlier was fucking great. It went through this and went blah blah blah, and then like that's kind of the end. Then maybe this happened to her, blah blah blah. But like no, like the, the rest of this like her documented life is fucking also equally nuts. It is fucking nuts. Uh, yeah. The police uh, the police record of Abe's in- interrogation and confession became a national bestseller in 1936. I want it. Yeah, Christine L. Maran uh, puts the national fascination with Abe's story uh, within the context of Dokufu, or Poison Woman Stereotype, a transgressive female character which had first become popular in Japanese serialized novels and stage works in the 1870s. In the wake of the popularity, Poison Woman literature, confessional autobiographies by female criminals had begun to appearing in the late 1980s. Yeah, so this is like a whole fucking genre here. This like you know criminal deviant minds, is particularly women. Makes you wonder kind of how how repressed they were. They had to like kind of act out like this. This is like I don't know. This is just a weird fucking gender politics balance. It is pretty weird, but fucking the thing is, I love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a fucking fan. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. No, I do have a question though. The all right, yeah, dude's that? wife. Dude's wife. Was she happy? Or was she sad that this fucking happened? She had a husband that was fucking all the waitresses, and she was working at this fucking restaurant with this guy, which means all this guy was probably taking money from the till, fucking blowing it on prostitutes and booze and shit, partying all over the city, was poor old wife is fucking working there every fucking day. So with this guy being gone, was she happy or sad? Because with him being gone, first thing is... Now she's free. Second thing is, now she owns the restaurant and it's all hers. Third thing is, because of this fucking scandal, probably business was fucking booming. People probably wanted to go in there and to see, oh, this is where the fucking bitch worked. Oh, this is where the guy used to work, blah, 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 blah. You know, maybe she fucking, if there's a winner in this fucking story, maybe it's dude's wife. Yeah, maybe, maybe right. And in the fucking old restaurant, they had like the old timey equivalent of a black light where they're, they're like, you know, fucking shining around. Oh, this is the first time they fucked. Look at all the bodily fluids. Oh, I think that one looks like a butterfly. That one looks like a heart. Two words. Nah, it, Jackson uh, it, Pollock. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Um, that's an interesting question. I was kind of wondering about the, that myself. Spoilers. We have no idea. It doesn't say a damn word about the wife after this. In fact, I don't even think earlier when we were reading it, it just said the dude had a wife. I don't even think it mentioned her name, so we don't really know anything about her. Um, my personal opinion, my guess is probably, I don't think this really worked out with her because think about it, this is a national sensation. So everybody knew that her, that, her, that her husband was fucking around on her and did it in the restaurant. You know, I don't know. It's, it's not good objects, man. 
Like, so she probably just kind of retired and disappeared in shame or some shit. Oh, probably. Oh, back in the day, probably. She might, she might have just committed suicide or something. Yeah, I was, I, I was surprised. Yeah, so I, I don't think the, the wife, uh, yeah, I think me, she might have suffered unnecessarily. Yeah. Okay. So what did she do when she got out of the pen? Okay. Uh, actually, hold on. One quick point for uh, by by uh, early 1910s, autobiographical writings by criminal women took uh, on an unapologetic tone and sometimes included criticism of Japan and Japanese society, which was not common at the time. And this is one of the rare mediums where it could actually be done and wouldn't be censored. Kanasuga, who was hanged in 1911 for conspiring to assassinate Emperor Meiji in what was known as the High Treason Incident wrote openly rebellious essays in prison. Fumiko Kaneko, who was sentenced to death for plotting to bomb the imperial family, used her notoriety to speak against the imperial system and the racism and paternalism in which she, she had endured. Abe's confession in the years since its appearance became the most circulated female criminal, criminal narrative in Japan. Moran points out that Abe, unlike the previous criminal autobiographers, stressed her sexuality and the love she felt for her victim. Okay, so basically, like, yeah, like the previously women who did did like you know crazy crimes like this, they were they were the fucking terrorists or nutbags. But she was like, nah, it's just like crazy, crazy in love. <laughs> I'm like the good kind of crazy, all right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not like these crazy bitches. No, 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 no. I'm a good crazy bitch. You know that kind. Yeah, yeah. Because like you know, other than like you know the other ladies, like they were more. They like you know they were fucking you know self righteous or whatever they they wanted political change or this or that or they didn't like the emperor but she's like nah I just wanted me some big old cock. Do you think she ruled the fucking prison? Like as soon as she came in there, she's like, all right, all y'all bitches, you're gonna try to fuck with me, but you can't fuck with me. All you look at me in my eye. I'm the one that had the golden cock, and I had it for a long time. I even had it in my purse. So you ain't got nothing on me. Then all the girls in the girl prison were like, oh, okay, we're not going to shank this bitch. So then she was basically like, you know, the top hoe. I think so. No, I agree with you. I bet you when she walked in there, it was like, oh, fuck. We don't want to mess with this crazy bitch. Exactly. Exactly. I bet it's good to be yeah, crazy yeah, when you're in prison. Yeah. So, yeah. So she's like, when you're a fucking nationally famous sensation, like, yeah, I bet nobody fucked with her. Uh-uh. Nah, uh. even the fucking guards were probably wearing cups or like protection protection on their genitalia when they had to guard her, right? That or maybe maybe she got special benefits. She did get on a year early, and that's kind of um unusual in Japan. Even today, it's really like unusual for that to happen. So maybe she was pleasing everybody there, if you know what I mean. Uh, okay, I'm I'm gonna stop you there. No, like uh. Actually, I, I, actually, we'll we'll go back to this and I'll explain this point. Like you missed it. Um, she got commuted because uh, remember we did a story on this. Like I think last year. Remember when they had got a new emperor and they just commuted a bunch of sentences because they wanted people to start with a clean slate. Oh. Same thing. It, it was it was just politics and the luck of the draw. So the twenty six hundred year anniversary of the mythical founding of Japan. Oh man, dude, lucky girl. Lucky crazy yes. girl. Oh man. 
I, I know what you're thinking, and I, I think it's great. It would be would be some interesting drama and tension if she'd actually gotten out for early for that reason, because you know she's doing favors inside. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, like nah, she just got lucky. But do, you do remember doing that story about a year ago, though, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's the thing. Apparently, when they get a new emperor or something like this, they're like, yeah, if you're not that bad a criminal, we'll let you go. Or you know, if you're murderous, it's like fucking a national sensation yeah let her go fuck it what's the worst that could happen right oh dude so, what happened what did she well, do when she got out well let's, let's get into later in life because this is interesting um upon her release from prison abe assumed an alias as the mistress of a quote-unquote serious man she referred to in uh, to in her members as mr y what i i, I read it again okay Upon her release from prison, Abe assumed an alias as the mistress of a quote-unquote serious man. She referred to him in her memoirs as Mr. Y. Mr. Y. Just like our I'm Mr. Not, y? I'm not making this up. Well, yeah, I think I think he missed it by about 80 years, dude. Maybe it was his fucking grandfather or something. I don't I know. I knew that fucking ran in the family. <laughs> there you go. But I, I'm not actually making that up. I can send you the fucking link. No, I trust you. Uh, fucking, that's awesome. That's hysterical, dude. Okay, so she then uh, moved. Uh, so she she first moved to Ibaraki Prefecture and then to Saitama Prefecture. When Abe's true identity became known to Mr. Y's friends and family, she broke off their relationship, wishing to divert public attention from politics and criticism of the occupying authorities. The Yoshida government openly encouraged the three S policy: sports, screen, and sex. This changed from the strict pre-war censorship of materials labeled as, as obscene or immoral and helped enable a change in the tone of the literature of Abe. Pre-war writings such as uh, the psychology of diag- uh, the psycho- psychological diagnosis of Sada Abe, can you fucking say her name, in 1937, depicted Abe as an example of the dangers of an unbridled female sexuality and as a threat to the patriarchal system. In the post-war era, however, she was treated as a critic of the totalitarianism that was going on at the time, and a symbol of freedom from oppression of political ideologies. Abe became a popular subject in literature of both high and low quality. The Buraiha writer Oda Sakanosuke wrote two stories based on Abe, and uh, a June 1949 article noted that Abe had recently tried to clear her name after it had been called, uh, so it had been used in a mountain, quote unquote, mountain of erotic literature. Yeah. So, like, literally, she's like a mythical fucking fe- figure. So, not only did, like, you know, her lover get the giant golden cock in a museum, like, she's just like, she's in smut mo- novels everywhere. She's a sex god, dude. Seriously. Yeah, she's like a sex goddess, basically. A sex sex goddess, goddess that got you jump off. Oh man, yeah. Once again, Black Widow. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Fucking, you're liking this so far, right? Oh yeah, she's kind of like my hero, like a female Jack the Ripper. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, on that note, I think I'm gonna crack open another beer, dude. Uh, I'm killing this bottle of vodka. Look at this shit. <laughs> uh, he was killing it already. Okay, here we go. In 1946, the writer Ango Sakaguchi interviewed Abe, treating her as an authority on both sexuality and freedom. Sakaguchi called Abe a, quote, a tender, warm figure of salvation for future generations, end quote. 
That is not how I would describe this woman. No, she's fucking crazy as fuck. Yeah. In 1947, the erotic confessions of uh, Sada Abe became a national bestseller with over 100,000 copies sold. The book was in the form of an interview with Sada Abe, uh, but was actually based on the police interrogation records. Angry that he had implied the book was based on interviews he had made with her, Abe sued the author, Ichiro Kimura, for libel and defamation of character. Uh, the result of the lawsuit is not known, but it is assumed to have been settled out of court. As a response to the book, uh, Abe wrote her own bi- biography, Memoirs of Sada Abe. In contrast to Kimura's, Kimura's pe- uh, depiction of her as a pervert, she stressed her love for Ishida, because of course she fucking did at this oh, point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> stand by the story, bitch. <laughs> yeah, stand by the story, just like she stood by his knife and his dick after the fact. <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> the first edition of the magazine True Story Jitsuwa in January 1948 featured previously unpublished, unpublished photos of the incident with the headline Ero Guro of the Century, first public release. Uh, a pictorial of the Sada Abe incident. Reflecting on the, uh, the change in the tone of writings on Abe, in, uh, in June of 1949, an issue of Month Reader calls her... Uh, quote-unquote, a heroine of that time. We're following her own desires in a time of, quote-unquote, false morality and oppression. Yeah, because it's, like, totally cool to cut some dude's dick off and be like, freedom! <laughs> uh, if she still had that cock, she'd probably use that as a flag. Yeah, you know, this just reminds me of, like, think, think back to the fucking Braveheart. They may take our land, but they will never take our penises! And he hoists the, the the fucking instead of hoisting his broadsword, he hoists a giant cock up at the end and goes, "Freedom, freedom!" <laughs> oh man, Jesus! Oh man, uh, yeah, dude, this story's pretty fucking crazy. So basically, she started off a decent person, wound up a shitty person, and now she's a good person again. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you can never be a good person if you cut off somebody's cock after you kill him. Well, at least, well, I, I, if you think about it, at least she killed him before she cut off his cock. Because if it was the other way around, that'd be really fucked up. Yeah, so I've, I've read other iterations of this story, and I've heard, like, um, that apparently weren't as factual. But I've heard, like, one, one version of the story goes that she cut his cock off while he was still alive. And he actually bled to death, and she fled the scene. But, like, this is, like, I'm sorry, man. I'm going to go with this one and, and several other articles is I've read because this is just too well-researched and too well-read to be, like, you know, wrong. You know, another thing is I, I'm i kind of second-guessing about this fucking death, dude. Because if she loved him so much, why would she wrap the fucking the, the belt around his throat twice and then choke him out while he's sleeping? I think what happened was this, dude. They got done fucking, and she's like, listen, I really want to spend my my life with you. I want to be with you forever. Um, divorce your wife. Run away with me. And the guy's like, bitch, I own a company. I'm married. I've got three kids. You're fucking insane. You're a good lay, but that's about it. And she got enraged. And then fucking, she fucking choked him out, and she killed him right there. And then she's like, oh, fuck, man. And she's such a crazy person. That's, then she's like, well... 
I killed him. I might as well take his cock and balls. So then she cut off his cock and balls and ran away. And then all of a sudden she's like, fuck, you know what I need? I need a really good story. If I have a really good story, I could possibly get away with this or at least get a minimal sentence. And then she came up with this whole thing like, I love this guy so much because A, B, and C, he had the golden cock and this and that. I mean, I had to kill him. He had the golden cock for God's sake. I mean, Jesus Christ, right? So if I can, anyway, that's the story she went with. But in reality, she killed him because the guy wouldn't break up with his wife. That shit happens all over the world, dude. No, I agree with you. I think it's but, an interesting For example, point the movie break. Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction. That's what this was. Yeah. Fatal Attraction. Best no, movie I, ever. I, I, I agree. I, I, think, I, I think it's a very interesting point to bring up because I've read, like, there, there's a lot of theories because, again... This is taking her at her fucking word that, like, this is, like, how the incident went went down. Because, remember, there's only two people in the room at, at the time. One of them's dead and is missing his penis. So. <laughs> so who do you trust? The one with the penis. Yeah. Always yeah. trust the one with the penis. <laughs> the one with the penis. Well, <laughs> there you go. I mean, Jesus Christ, right? <laughs> Okay, and, and and again, again, there's there's several theories about this. That that is one theory that basically said that yeah, he said like yeah, I'm not gonna leave my wife and run away with you. She she became enraged and just strangled him. Yeah. Another another version of the story goes she became enraged and just cut his dick off and he bled to death. Yeah, but he would be dude. If you get your dick cut off, dude. All right, have you ever got your dick caught in your zipper? No, I haven't actually. I've heard wow. it's painful. Yeah, it, it fucking sucks, dude. It fucking sucks. The one thing is, you get your dick caught in a zipper where it like pinches a little bit and shit. Dude, you're fucking holding your dick. You're moving around. You're fucking trying to get help and stuff, dude. You're like, ah, ah, ah. You're making so much fucking noise, dude. Your voice is high, dude. You sound like a, like a 12-year-old girl screaming. Dude. You're like, ah! Dude, it is fucking, uh, it's, it's a nightmare, dude. If this guy got his dick cut off at the base... Along with the beans, dude, people in that whole goddamn neighborhood would have known. People in that whole goddamn city would have heard it. They're like, oh, shit, what is that, a fire alarm? What's going on here? Seriously, man. So fucking she killed him before she cut off his dick. You're talking to a guy that got his dick caught in a zipper, and it ain't no picnic getting that fucking zipper out, too, dude. Once you pull it up a little bit. You saw that movie with uh, Cameron Diaz, Something About Mary? Oh, yeah, God. of course. Everyone's seen that movie, dude. Watching that movie brought back some bad memories, dude. Everybody <laughs> was fucking laughing in the theater, and I was watching that, and I was just like, <laughs> oh my God. <sighs> that fucking first part of the movie is like a fucking nightmare, dude. Yeah, so sing that soprano on high, bitch. Ooh. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's it's nothing to laugh about, but yeah. Wait, wait a second. I, I, again, again, I'm I'm going to discount this. I'm going to say this. Like, I, I really think the the story I heard that she just cut his like just hacked his dick off and he bled to death without like screaming or going for help or doing something is bullshit. Total bullshit. Now another thing is she's fucking crazy. She had syphilis, right? She caught it twice, right? Now the thing is, dude, syphilis rots your brain. It makes you into a fucking lunatic and kind of like like a moron or something too. Fucking Al Capone had syphilis. Dude, that's a fucking... Yeah, that's how he died, Ted. Yeah. yeah that's, that's how he died, isn't it? Yeah, he died with syphilis or complications from syphilis yeah. or whatnot. But the thing is, yeah. syphilis makes you crazy, dude. 
Like it, it eats holes in your brain, dude. Like if you look at your brain, like if somebody has syphilis and they die of syphilis and they fucking like do an autopsy and they look at the brain, the brain looks like fucking like cheese, man. Like Swiss cheese. There's like holes all throughout it, dude. It's fucking weird. Like worms are eating at it and shit, dude. It's gross. Yeah, no, I'm I, I'm aware of that. Yeah, it does like, yeah, syphilis does make you fucking crazy. It does like go for your fucking brain. That's the thing. They didn't have penicillin back then either. Wait, in the 30s? They didn't have penicillin yeah. in the 30s? Uh, I, don't, I don't believe they did. Are you serious? They, I don't think so. No, I'm pretty sure they did. Penicillin's been around. Uh, you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna look it up. It's, I'm just it's not. not gonna it's, know. Not, it's, it's not worth arguing. But I, I do know, like back in the Victorian era, because like a lot of dudes caught it from prostitutes. You, you know what they used to take as like you know the fucking treatment for that? They'd take a corn cob and they wrap their dick around it, right? No, as, as a treatment of people who had syphilis, they take mercury pills. So you're basically ingesting poison that also makes you crazy, literally. <laughs> oh my god. Uh... Mercury pills? Oh I'm, my god, dude! Serious, if I had dude. a band, if I had a band, it would be called Mercury Pills. That would be the fucking name of the band. <laughs> well, the, the reason the reason I know this is because like I'm an English literature major, and it comes up a lot in literature. There, there, there's a fucking long running theory that's that probably Shakespeare had syphilis later in life. That's why he got crazy because he man, managed to mention it like 47 times or something. He's like, yeah, I he have syphilis. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody, I have syphilis. No, but no, he, remember, he was a play, he was a play, no, no, he was a playwright, so his characters have syphilis. But yeah, basically, oh, in, hello, God. within the <laughs> Henry V yeah, had syphilis. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all, all those fuckers did, man, because that's what you get from raw dogging it with a prostitute. Oh shit, dude. So, all right. What happened in later life? Did she ever marry? Did she get a job? I mean, she's suing people. She's writing books. How does she die? Wait. Syphilis? <laughs> yeah. Here's where, here's where it gets really interesting. Okay, like, this is like, uh, we're almost done with the story, but here, this is this is good. Okay. So, Sada was able to capitalize on her notoriety by sitting for an interview in a popular magazine and appearing for several years in a traveling stage production called Showa Ichidai Onona. A woman of the Showa period. In 1952, she began working at the Hoshi Kikikusai, a working class pub in Inaricho, downtown Tokyo. She lived a low profile, sorry, low profile life in Tokyo's Chitaya neighborhood for the next 20 years, and her neighborhood restaurant association gave her a model employee award. More than once during the 60s, film critic Donald Rich visited the Kikisui, yeah, I can't even read that. Uh, in his collection of profiles, Japanese portraits, he describes Abe making a dramatic entrance. This is, I like this. You're going to want to perk up for this one. He describes Abe making a dramatic entrance into the boisterous uh, group of drinkers. She would slowly descend a long staircase that led to the middle of the crowd, fixing a haughty gaze on individuals in her audience. The men in the pub would respond by putting their hands over their crotches and shouting out things like, hide the knives, and I'm afraid to go to pee. <laughs> Abe would slap the banister in anger and stare down into an uncomfortable and complete si- completely silent crowd, and then continue her entrance, chatting and pouring drinks from table to table. Richie comments, 
She had actually choked a man to death and then cut off his member. There was a uh, consequent frisson when Sada Abe slapped you on the back. Whoa, dude. I would pay so much fucking money to go there and have tea. <laughs> oh, my God. Because you know that's what they're doing, dude. They're like, uh, yeah, we're going to go see a performance at this bar. Dude, it was fucking tea time. Forget afternoon delight. That shit was happening 24-7, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a notoriety, though. Hey, hey, man. Though, it, 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 let's just be honest, though. At, at this stage in her life, you know, she's she's getting a lot older, and like, you know, she hasn't found a. As far as we know, she never found a man or a suitable lover after that. And like, everybody knew who she was, and after her trying to hide her identity, so it's like, you got you kind of got to lean into it, man. That's like, what other option does she have at this point, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, fucking dude, you got to own it. You gotta fucking own it. Yeah. Oh man, dude, fucking, this is the best story over, dude, ever, dude. I, I, dude, Tom, bravo, hats off, yay, Tommy did it again. Oh man, now the question is, how the fuck are you gonna top this story? This story is pretty fucking hardcore, dude. I actually, I thought it was your turn, dude, because like you, you had a fucking great idea for the Alice murders, and then I did too. I did the Spider Man and this one. So I don't know. I guess you got like a couple days to uh, what, what, what are we rolling again on Wednesday? I guess we got uh, a couple days. Yeah, no, we got a week, dude. All right. We're going to do the next show. The next got fit in Japan on Friday, and that's going to be a real show. where We're going to do the news. Today is the story time got fit in Japan. And uh, yeah, let's, let's just continue it on Wednesday. So the next Wednesday show is going to be another story time. OK. All right. Um, all right. Uh, okay, pa, 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 pa. okay here we go. Uh, <clears throat> yes, there's a little bit, couple more paragraphs. Okay, in, in 1969, 69, baby, Abe appeared in the Sada Abe incident section of the of director Teruo Ishii's dramatization documentary of history of bizarre crimes by women in the Meiji, Taisho, and Showa eras. Uh, and the last known photograph of Abe was taken in August of that year. She disappeared from the public eye for good in 1970. When the film uh, in the realm of the senses was being planned in the mid-1970s, director Na Nagisa Oshima apparently sought out after Abe and after a long, long search, found her, her hair shorn in, in a Kansai nunnery. Wait, in a where? Kansai nunnery. So she joined a nunnery. And she shaved her head. Wait, she became, wait, like a Buddhist? Or, like, she became a Christian? A nunnery means she's a nun. Yeah, I, th I think, uh, yeah, she, she became, like, did you have, yeah, female, yeah. Uh, I believe, yeah, I believe a Christian nun. Although, this this is kind of suspect, though, because, like, I, again, I've researched this story. It's really, there, there's rumors maybe she became a nun, but, like, nobody kind of knows. And I think this guy, this uh, Nagisa Oshima, is kind of like he's kind of a sketchy director and he was kind of known to playing fast and loose with the truth. So uh, he didn't like there's no real proof he actually met her. He just said he searched for her and found her in a nunnery, but there's there's no there's no records to back any of this up. Oh man. Well, anyway, yeah, she's gone. Jeez. Great story, Tom. Once again. Oh man, dude, this is great, dude. Oh, man. But uh, faders out there, there's tons of stuff on this girl. If you want to, like, learn more about Sade Abe, you could just Google it. There's so many pornos about this. There's there's comic books. There's manga. There's anime. There's tons of fucking shit. 
Yeah. So yeah, legacy. So let, let me read the rat last couple of paragraphs for further reading if anybody's interesting. So legacy. <clears throat> Decades after both the incident and her disappearance, Sada Abe continues to draw public interest, obviously because we're doing a show about it. In addition to the documentary in which Abe herself appeared shortly before she disappeared from the public eye, at least three successful films have been made based on the story. The 1983 film Sexy Doll, Abe, uh, Abe Sada San, uh, uh, Sansei, made, made use of Abe's name in the title. In 1998, a 438-page biography of Abe was published in Japan. And the first full-length book on Abe in English, William Johnston's Geisha Harlot Strangler Star, A Woman, Sex, and Morality in Modern Japan, was published in 2005. Japanese noise musician Merzbao adopted the alias uh, Abe Sada uh, for an early musical project. He released only one record under his, under this name in the 1994 seven inch original body Kingdom Gala Adesabe 1936. I want this in March. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot going on here. So probably I, I would say like any, but this is just probably only a brief list. I would say just Google this shit and see what you can find. In March of 2007, a four bass noise band from Perth, Western Australia named Abe Sada won a contemporary music grant from the Australian Department of Culture and the Arts to, uh, to tour Japan in June and July of 2007. So, Jeez, that, there you go. There you go. Dude, there's so much shit online about this. Oh, my God. I, there's some pretty amazing photos that I'm finding, some really cool shit. I'm definitely going to post this on uh, both Instagram and on, uh, well, fucking all over SNS, Faders. So be sure to check that out. Um, Shit, dude, on that note, fucking, I think that's a show. Man, that's incredible. Dude, Tom, hands off, man. Fucking, dude, give me some love. Give me some cheers, bitch. Come on. Come on. Give me some love, man. Yeah. Cheers. My cup's in the air. Mm. That was pretty fucking intense, right? I, I, I love I love this story because, like, how do you say, you read the fucking title and the headline, and it's just bonkers. And then every detail after this gets progressively more and more fucked up. Better and better and better, dude. Fucking, oh, man. This is, like, the best story ever, dude. Oh, my God. I'm going to have some fucking nightmares tonight, though, man. When I go to sleep, I, I'm going to have to fucking <laughs> polish off this bottle of vodka, dude. Because if I don't, dude, I'm, I'm not sleeping tonight. I'm going to be like, <laughs> dude, if she has a ghost, dude, and her ghost is fucking going around Tokyo and shit with a knife in her mouth and shit like a pirate, and she's fucking, like, looking at you when you're fucking sleeping and shit, she's trying to choke you on and cut off your cock and balls and stuff. Dude, that ain't good at all, man. This is uh, the worst kind of ghost ever the worst kind of poltergeist yeah so it's it's, it's pretty yeah it's a pretty fucking raw dog story again like for anybody who's interested in there's there's tons of books and literature out there hell there's even a couple bands out there fucking give it a listen super sure freak. it's interesting super freak super she's freak. a really super freaky freak. girl the one you don't take home to mother super freak Oh, man, dude. Or fucking this definitely, sh this should have been an Alice Cooper fucking song. Not now, but back in the day when he was cool. He's still cool. But he uh, was cooler in the 70s. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, dude. Like, hey, man, everybody gets old. But, like, yeah, like as far as rock stars are concerned, I think I think it's safe to say Alice Cooper's still rocking it. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Black Widow. Nah, 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 nah. Oh, shit. Well, uh, fucking yeah, agent. Oh, go for it. Do, go do for you want to? You want to go into the news? You want to see the next one? No, can't Dude, top it. 
Uh, yeah, dude. The, no story we have right now is going to top this story, dude. So fucking, we're going to do the news on Sunday, and then we'll do another show on uh, Wednesday. Or maybe we could do a show on Friday. Wait, what day is today? Is today Friday? It's Friday. Today's Friday? I know, dude. It's fucking weird right now when nobody's at fucking work. Like, yeah, don't you have problems, like, keeping track of the day, right? <laughs> Fuck, dude. Every day's been the same for the last three weeks, man. I've got my routine. I do my routine and fucking that. But pink elephant be gone. So anyway, fucking uh, shit, dude. That was fucking awesome. Faders, I want to say thank you to everybody that's been supporting us on Patreon. Um, we're uploading new stuff all the time on Patreon. Tom, we want more photos of strippers. So all your old photos of strippers, send them to us. Let's put that up there. Um, yeah. Uh, Patreon faders, thank you so much. And if you want to join the Patreon page, go down to the show notes. It supports us. It helps the show keep on rocking and rolling and stuff. We're doing three, sometimes four shows a week just for you guys. And on the Patreon, we're giving you guys tons of great content. Um, Actually, um, I can't top today's show, but uh, actually... Recent, not recently, but a little while ago, I interviewed a friend that was on a train that fucking hit a guy. Like, I guess a guy committed suicide on a train. And she was like in the front. So fucking it was her experience being on a train that just fucking like killed a guy and shit. And uh, so I was talking to her about that. That's on the Patreon. We uploaded that shit today. Really interesting shit. We talked about suicide culture in Japan and stuff. Hardcore shit. So hot you'll get burned. Um, yeah, so do that. Sign up for that. And um, yeah, for I know fucking money's tight for a lot of people. So if you don't sign up for it and stuff, that's totally cool. But at least, you know, give us a five-star review on iTunes. That fucking helps us. And um, shit, uh, support our sponsors while we have them. <laughs> I know one of them is uh, going away. They're going out of business. Uh, uh, I, I, think, I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, dude. Fucking times are hard, man. That's rough because I've liked that place for a long time. Oh, God, dude. Fucking so many good memories. We'll talk about that once they go out of business. Um, I I don't want to fucking talk about it. It's too sad. But anyway, Faders, thank you very much for tuning into this very special episode of Got Faded Japan. And Tom, thank you, man. Dude, you did a really great job. Yeah, thanks. No problem. And also, Faders, don't forget, man. And Again, I, we know that times are times are difficult and everything. If you can't donate to the Patreon... Look at it this way. Like what you can do is you can get, go to our Facebook page, which is totally free. You know, drop a like on there. We're posting interesting content like multiple times a day, two or three times a day. Like new stuff's always coming constantly. Yep. Um, I'm all over that. So yeah, at least like if nothing else, you know, check check it out. Check out our Facebook page and give Facebook page and give us a like. You won't regret it. We got good stuff there. And Instagram and Twitter. And Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget that. Well, that's like that's what you're in charge of, dude. I'm I'm doing the Facebook page, man. Like you know, that's enough for me. All right, boy. and I'm doing the fucking interesting. I'm getting good content coming, dude. You're fucking killing, man. Fucking hats off, dude. Fucking dude. As soon as this fucking pandemic is done, dude, I'm taking you shopping, man. We're gonna buy a fucking so much booze, dude. It's gonna be fucking nutty. All right. On that note, faders, thank you again for this beautiful, beautiful show that Tom put together for us. Thank you, Tom. You're the man. Thank you. All right. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Bye. My own brother, a goddamn shit sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till mom finds out, buddy. I've got a government job to abuse and a lonely wife to fuck. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. How the pressure! I can't take it! I can't take it! I can't stand to it! You sure I should do this, man? We're going free!